Now let me get into the word of the Lord. Second Samuel 7, 13 through 18. I'm beginning a new series today. And the title of the series is going to be Family Matters. Family Matters. And it's a double entendre, of course, meaning that families matter. Your family matters. My family matters. There must have been at least 30 people that gathered in our family for the Thanksgiving holiday season. I flew in that afternoon. We ate late. And I loved being with all of our family members. They add so much to my life. You add so much to my life. Families matter. But not only do families matter, there are matters in family that need to be looked at. We have families that need help in the matters regarding family. Second Samuel seven thirteen through 18, speaking of Solomon, God is talking to David. He, Solomon, shall build a house for my name. Now I've emphasized the word house for a reason. I put it in caps. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And then this incredible passage, and your house. Again, I've put that in caps. I want you to see this. And your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Verse 17, according to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David at the inspiration, of course, of the word of God. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, who am I? You ever feel that way? Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Have you spent some time praising and thanking God this week because he has brought you this far? How many of you know you wouldn't have gotten this far without him? How many of you know that you wouldn't have gotten as far as you have on your job or in your business or in your family or your career, your ministry, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side? I think we ought to just stop right now and lift our hands and say, thank you for bringing me this far. And the good news is, is that he that has begun a good work in you will finish it. He will complete it. He didn't bring you this far to forget about you. I want to speak this morning from this subject, why God is interested in your house. David said, what is my house? And God told him, your house will be established forever. Father, I pray that you would speak through the word of the Lord today and that you would talk to our hearts and make your word become vibrant and alive. Let it connect with us where we are at right now. And I pray that you will cause families to be strengthened, that you would cause marriages to be made stronger, and that you would cause our house, the local house, this house of God, to be strengthened in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. It is interesting to me that when God referred to the place where he would be worshipped, that he called it his house. It's the first thing about these passages of scripture that, that I am attracted to. For when we consider the very nature of God as omnipresence, 
Is there any corner of the universe where God does not dwell? He can be found everywhere. And yet he specifically designated one place to say that is my house. We normally understand that to mean my place of abode. David also wanted to build God a house. But God told David that instead his son Solomon would build a house that was in David's heart to create for the glory of God. God's promise was that he would be with Solomon. Some dreams are literally too big to be fulfilled in one lifetime. David's dream was to build a house. And God said, David, this is too big for you. You won't live long enough to be able to achieve all of this. And so David set about gathering the resources and materials necessary that would be used when Solomon did construct the house. Some dreams are multi-generational. Your children will need to be a part of your dream as well. They and your grandchildren will literally finish what you start. And I I say that as a word of encouragement to somebody that is concerned about their children right now or their grandchildren. Don't you forget that God knows where they are at this very minute. Yes, he does. And he can reach them no matter how far away they may have drifted. God promised to establish the house and lineage of David and his, his kingdom forever. The temple that David's son built was called, of course, Solomon's temple. And the house of God, any house of God is a beautiful place. No matter how rustic rule, no matter how inexpensive it may be, no matter what part of town it is, the house of God is beautiful. In the case of Solomon's temple, it was beautiful because of natural reasons. In the case of many houses of God, they're beautiful for reasons that have to do with the supernatural, and what can be encountered and found in them. Temple of Solomon was unparalleled in beauty and splendor. Nothing before or after it that man had ever created or built could compare with it. Second Chronicles 3, verse 3. This is the foundation which Solomon laid for building the house of God. And then in verse 4, he overlaid the inside with pure gold. The larger room he paneled with cypress, which he overlaid with fine gold and he carved palm trees and chain work on it. All of this out of gold. And he decorated the house with precious stones for beauty and the gold was gold from poor volume. He also overlaid the house, the beams, the doorpost, its walls and doors with gold and he carved cherubims on the walls, all of gold. There were precious jewels and gold literally everywhere you turned. It was dazzling. It was mind-boggling. The display the, of wealth was, was everywhere, and you could not help but be in awe of it. It was made to reflect the fact that God's presence is beautiful, and the house was to reflect the glory of his presence. Today's house of God is actually made beautiful by many things. Foremost among them, there is still the presence of God that gives beauty to a place. As I said, no matter how simple its architectural design, if people meet there to worship God, there is a beauty about that place that outshines the brightest skyscraper that may be downtown. And the most expensive mansion that might be built in River Oaks doesn't compare to it. Oh, I know the cost factor cannot be calculated that way, but there's a beauty because of the presence of God. David said in Psalms 27, 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To behold, everybody say it, the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
this week during Thanksgiving, I've been giving God thanks for all of the blessings that he has so abundantly poured out on me. And God has indeed blessed each one of us, hasn't he? Is there anybody in this house that knows they have been blessed? Amen. Hallelujah. One of the things that he has blessed us to enjoy is this beautiful place of worship. Last year at this time, we were not here. This was just a dream. We, are, we moved into our promised land. We've never thanked those who spent so much time furnishing and decorating this place of worship. We've thanked those who donated to this house that it could be built, all of you. And those of you who continue to give to help us pay for this without your sacrifice and generosity, this place would not be here. We would still be in that other building and with all of its limitations. But I want you to know that every day I thank God for you. This church thanks God for your sacrifice. We've never thanked the people that decorated it. You probably don't know the tens of thousands of of people who have driven by and taken note of this building since we moved in. Nearly every time our FTAs meet in this conference room over here, they always talk about we were driving by and saw this building built and thought it was so beautiful. And we wanted to stop and check it out on a Sunday. And and they comment about the service. And we've been growing like crazy because they come here because of the building, but they get in here and encounter the real beauty. Amen. Amen. And that's one of the frequent comments we, we hear And there were literally hundreds of hours that were decorated by the decorating team. Mandy, you saw on the screen, she was, did we have blondes on the screen this morning or did we have blondes on the screen? One of them is my granddaughter-in-law, the one with the little baby, and the other is one of our board members' wives. And I love the fact that we have a church that's multi-ethnic, multicultural across the board. You come here and you see anything and everything on this platform, and I like that. And throughout the building, look around, you'll see what I'm talking about. But they put in all these hours and and like Solomon's ancient temple, the real beauty though is on the inside. And I'm not talking about the decorations. Uh, the beauty of this house where we worship today isn't its design, it isn't its architecture, it isn't its furnishings, its sound system, the gym, have you checked out the gym, the children's wing? We have children that cry and don't wanna go home after church, did you know that? I'm serious, when I was a kid I cried because I had to go to church. If we had had a children's ministry like that, I never would have left, I've said it before. The real beauty though, is the transform lives that you find in this place. Those who attend here that have been touched and empowered by God as a result of the word of God they receive here and the encounter with God that they have, that they have experienced in this place. The beauty of this house is the people who have been saved and there have been so many since we've moved here. The addictions that have been broken, the marriages that have been transformed, the lives that have been impacted, the financial breakthroughs that I'm hearing stories about that have occurred and the miracles that have taken place. I told you of one just a couple of weeks ago where a man given up in stage four, just about stage five of cancer, come here from Missouri to see the doctors at MD Anderson because the doctors there could do him no good. And standing right there in the aisle, God healed him. And he looked at me and he said, I'm healed. 
And he was because he just got the doctor's report. That's the real beauty of this house. It's that God is in this place. Hallelujah. How many of you feel that this house has had an impact on your life, your family? Look around you if you don't know what I'm talking about. See those hands that are raised? Amen. You see, God has a purpose for this house. Every house is different. The vision of this house is different than that of another house of God where people gather this morning. The calling upon this house is also different than that of another house. Oh, to be sure, there are similarities in vision and the call of God on every house of God, but there are also major differences too. Look at the first few book, uh, chapters of the book of Revelation. Every letter to the churches, the seven churches of Asia was different. Why? Because every church is different and God created them that way. Those differences don't have anything to do with doctrine. They have to do with purpose. I want somebody to say that word purpose, would you? God raises up a house in a particular area and equips it with the tools and gives it the calling to speak to and develop the redemptive gifts of the people and the area in which he has placed that house. That's why every house is different because every area, the redemptive gift of that area is different. Amen. And you see, you might ask what a redemptive gift is. It's a divine purpose for for, for something Exist and was created by God. It addresses and helps right the imbalance in this fallen world. God sends you to an area, sends a church to an area because you carry something that will change that area. That's why this church is here right now. It wasn't about us just wanting to relocate years ago when we brought the board out here and the board prayed and felt this was the piece of property. There wasn't a thing around this church at that time. There wasn't a beltway, there weren't houses, there was nothing but feeder roads out there and just a few cars going up and down them. But God said, this is where I want to raise up my house. You know why? Because God could see the future. We could not. You know, I even had one of the board members leave because they said, there's nothing out there. Building a church out there, there's nothing out there. But you see, time does not exist to God. And you look at nothing but an empty area and God sees people everywhere. He sees families everywhere. And he said, I need a church that can speak to this area. Oh, I love what God does. Everything exists for a purpose. Everything anyone has ever made exists for a purpose. Even if that purpose is only known to its creator, creative minds, including that of inventors, artists, design and develop their creations based upon their perception of a need that exists. Everything you see around you, from the chairs in this building that you sit in, to the sound system that I'm speaking over, to the screens, to the lights, to the covering of the roof over our head, to the car you drove up in. Everything exists for a purpose. It meets a need. Amen. Folk got tired of walking. And so they invented cars. Hello, somebody. Every single thing that you see was created for a purpose. I've said it before. You sit in a comfortable chair. You know why? Because years ago, our ancestors got tired of dragging around a log when they wanted to sit down. So somebody came up. I got a better idea than that log. I'll build a chair. Every single thing you see exists for a purpose. I want you to understand this. 
Not only is there a purpose for everything that God created, but there is a time for every purpose. Amen. And that's when God says, it's your time right now. You didn't hear what I said. It's your time. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose. When your time comes, everything changes. Can somebody give him praise? Hallelujah. We've shifted here. We didn't just change seasons. We've changed eras. Era is the root word for generation. Meaning that what has happened here is not coming and going. It's going to last. Look at your neighbor and high five somebody and say, for generations, would you do that? Oh, I got to talk to you now. All right, look at somebody and say, he's just been laying his foundation. He's getting ready to preach right now. Would you do that? Mm, it might not be your time yet, but your time is coming. I need somebody to know that their time is just around the corner. Somebody ought to shout and give him praise in this house. Woo! Bless his name. The anointing of the house is greater than that of any individual who ministers in that house. The house was anointed before the individual members and ministers who serve there. And do you know why the anointing of the house is greater than my anointing or any of the staff or any of the members? I want to tell you why. It's because the house is going to be around after Richard Hurd is already gone. It's going to be around after you're gone, after the board is gone, after the staff is gone. They will raise up here another generation of worshipers and they're going to be anointed. And do you know what's going to happen? Someday if Christ does not come as soon as we think he might, then that generation will pass on too, but the house will still be here. This house exists longer than the vision of the people who serve at this moment. Its anointing is greater than my anointing. In fact, my anointing is enhanced by the anointing of this house. When I go out and I will speak at 11 o'clock, this service will be filmed for the people at 11 o'clock because a church who wants to be in relationship with us asked me to come and preach their 25th anniversary. So I'm going to jet out after the service. But first, I want to tell you, I want to meet all of our first-time attendees, please. If you're visiting with us right over there where I'm pointing after the service, I'm going to meet you there. And I'll invite you to come. And I want to just spend three to five minutes with you because I don't want you to worship where you don't even know the leadership of the house. Amen. I want to connect with you. I want you to know you're home when you're here. That family to us matters. Can somebody say amen? amen. And, and so I'll, I'll jet out. But when I go and speak for them, my anointing is greater because I'm under the covering of this house. God doesn't depend on a single individual to succeed. He builds a team and no one person is going to break or make the future of this house. It's all about God. It's not about people. You didn't hear what I said. It's all about God and not about people. Hallelujah. And as I mentioned, that's because the house will outlive us. I'm only the fourth pastor to ever serve here. You might not know it, but this church is 70 years old this year. Started as a prayer meeting in the year 1950 by a widow lady in a home, an elderly widow lady who was a legend in prayer, which is why prayer is so vital here. 
And since then, the church has only had three additional pastors. One was her son. He was killed in a tragic accident. Another lived, was here 12 years. The, one who, the woman's son I'm talking about, what a man of God of prayer. The one who followed him, an extraordinary student of the word of God. And now I come along. And I like to think I've got the anointing of all three of those who went before me. Amen. <laughs> Forgive me. You don't want to get with me. I'll get with myself. That's, that's, I'm just having fun with you. Amen. You might ask what will happen to this church when my time here is over. And I plan on being around a long time. But the greatest days of this church are in its future. Look at somebody and say tomorrow is going to be better than yesterday. Would you do that right now? Now I'm going to be here for years. But when we built this building, we built it with an eye to the future. It wasn't just for my generation or yours. That's why we put all the money in the, the gym and in the children's ministry so kids could grow up loving God and they could hear the word of God, not wait till they got out so they could go home and do what was fun, but that they would cry when they had to leave. I come up here and there are young people in the gym all the time, having a good time playing basketball. I, I didn't have a church like that. I want them to come here, you know? I don't want them to go where there's a bunch of gangs and everything else and drugs and all of that mess going on. The enemy fears this house. Did you know that? He's afraid of it. I'd only been here about three or four years. We had a Spanish pastor who launched the the Spanish-speaking congregation that meets here at 2.15 on Sunday afternoon. Joe Brazano is now the pastor, but the one who launched that, his name was Robert Morales, Roberto Morales. And Robert was an incredible, he's become an incredible modern-day apostle to Mexico. He provides covering and leadership for over 700 churches there. And when I, I went to bed this one particular night, about 1.30 in the morning, the phone was ringing. And I woke up, I was bleary-eyed, it had been a long day. And Roberto Morales was on the other end of the line. And he was shouting in Spanish, and I couldn't understand a word he was saying. But I recognized his voice, and I said, Robert, calm down, what's going on? And this is what was crazy. His shouting was punctuated by gunshots. Boom, I could hear a shotgun being fired. And I'm thinking the worst, Robert, what in the world is happening? Because he was staying in, at what was that time, a small apartment at the old building. I got him calmed down and he said, Pastor Hurd, he said, there's a group of Satanists out there. There's over 40 of them and they built a fire and they're offering sacrifices. And he said, I'm shooting my gun in the air. Don't worry, I'm not shooting at them. He said, I'm shooting my gun up in the air toward the sky to scare him away. I guess he figured if Jesus' name didn't work, Smith and Wesson would do in a hurry. You know what? Boom. (laughs) We didn't know what was going on. They scattered. It didn't make any sense till the next day. A young lady showed up at church and told us that she had been a part of that group that was there the night before. And when we asked why she came, she said we were sent by the devil from Los Angeles to pray against this church. We were building the family life center at the time. We were finding body parts of animals and satanic symbols written and drawn in blood. We didn't know what was going on. But we found out that day that that whole group had come here from Los Angeles. And we asked her, how did y'all know about us? We're, we're in Houston, y'all are from LA. And she said, the devil received a personal word, or rather the, the, the leader received a personal word. The devil gave a personal word to the leader of that satanic group. 
And they all came because he said, the devil told me we've got to go pray against the church in Houston, Texas. <laughs> Guess what, devil? The battle is already won. The blood of Jesus conquers all. Woo! At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Somebody give him praise. The devil fears this house because this house has an assignment for this area. Now listen to this. The devil fears your house because your house has an assignment from God. Somebody give him praise right now. I want to say it again. No weapon formed against us can prosper. Every pit the enemy digs, he will fall into it himself. Hallelujah. Zachariah, oh Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. Somebody needs to praise him. I feel like taking a praise break right now. I feel like giving God some worship in this house. Woo! Hallelujah. Somebody that knows that God is powerful. I don't care what your circumstance is. You need to give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Wow. Woo! Something is going on in this house right now. God is moving in this place. Somebody is getting a breakthrough in this place right now. Hallelujah. Woo. Be seated only a few minutes longer. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of angel armies. That's what the Lord of hosts means. Look around you and say, I got an angel's army gathered around me. Mm. God's house has an effect on the people who worship here. Lives are changed. We consider that to be our mission. You see it on the side of the building right over here in this area. Reach, inspire, elevate. We want to reach people first. We aren't satisfied to just come and worship by ourselves. Bring somebody with you. That's what you need to do Sunday after Sunday. Next Sunday, then the Sunday after that for the Christmas production that will be on Sunday morning. I'm, we're going to worship and then I'm going to preach. Amen. Bring them so Christ can reach them. Secondly, we're called to inspire them. That's the, the word inspire in the Greek means the breath of God. <laughs> It's what God blew into Adam's nostrils. It's what blew through the upper room in Acts chapter 2. When God breathes on you, a valley of dead bones can come to life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Your dead dreams can get up on their feet again. Your dead marriage can come back to life. Your kids that are dead in sin can get back up on their feet again. Lord, I feel like preaching this morning. If you're visiting with us, forgive me. I know, I get wild. But just stick around. I'll probably get worse than that before it's over because I do feel the Holy Spirit moving in this place. 
Third, we're called to elevate the lives of those we reach and inspire. And that means we're not going to leave you where Christ found you. Paul said we're made to sit together in heavenly places. This past Friday night, I was meeting with one of the Texans football team members. And uh, he may even be in the service right now. But uh, uh, he and I were talking. He asked a very direct question because there's a hand of God on his life for, for ministry as well. And he said, Pastor... He and I have been building a relationship. He said, I want to ask you a question. What does it mean to preach? And I thought about it for a minute. And I could have said it means being up on a platform. Then I thought about Jesus at the well. Preaching to one lady. I could have said a lot of things. But you know what preaching is? Preaching is basically communicating the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what the word gospel means. Somebody shout good news. Would you do it right now? Yes, that's what the word gospel means. It's communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. What is the good news? That you who are dead in sin and who fail from grace can be picked up and elevated again. Your life can be elevated. Your finances can be elevated. Your marriage can be elevated. That's what we're all about. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm made to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. Would you do it? Amen. Now, i got to wrap this up. and got to do it quick. There are reasons that lives are changed here. Number one is because the word of God is preached here. Amen. The word of God will transform you too if you will let it. Lately, I've been struck by the, the impacting words of Mahatma Gandhi that I've read to you before, who said, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, turn the world upside down, and bring peace to a battle-torn planet, but you treat it as though it's nothing more than a piece of literature. This is the word of Almighty God. It created worlds. You speak this, you recreate your world. Mm. Number two, there's a reason this house transforms lives. As I mentioned, the word of God is spoken here, but there's a second reason. You will encounter God in worship here. We don't want to just sing three songs and give a sermonette. Sermonettes belong to Christianettes. Amen. We want you to meet God here. When I was only five or six years old, God touched me. And the little church that I was raised in that had about 27, 29 people in it. I cried until I had such a bad headache. I remember it to this day. My eyes were swollen. They had to lead me to the car. I was... You know what I'm talking... You, you ever cry so much that you shudder? That's what I was doing. God touched me. He messed me up that day. I found out that no matter where I go, I can't get away from the presence of God. He marked me. I don't want a church that just sings three songs. I want to be able to encounter the presence of Almighty God. If that ever happens to you, nothing else, nothing else will be acceptable. There's another reason that lives are changed here. This is a house of principles. It's here we learn to live by the principles that govern life. This whole world that we live in is governed by principles, universal laws. And that's important so we can stop living from failure to failure. You see, many people go from valley to valley. Brokenness to brokenness. Shortcoming to shortcoming. Disappointment to disappointment. Failure to failure. Divorce to divorce. 
fired to another job. They get fired. You, you see what I'm saying? Being broke to being broke again. That's not how life is supposed to be lived. Amen. You're supposed to enjoy success in every dimension of your life. So many people live their lives by feelings and emotions rather than by principles. You know why they fail? They are, they're living by their emotions. They're making their decisions based on their emotions rather than informed by their intellect and the principles of the word of God. This is why the Bible says the primary thing is to seek wisdom. This book contains the wisdom of the ages. Oh, bless his name today. Hallelujah. Their marriages are disappointing, unsatisfying. The job is frustrating. Life sucks and they don't know why. And it's because they haven't learned to stop living their lives by emotion and making their decisions on the basis of emotion and start making them on the basis of principle. Oh, I wish I had an amen. I don't have time to, to, to flesh that out. I just have to trust that you know what I'm saying. But are you ready for the kicker now? And I close with this, and it's this, that just as this house has an effect on you, God wants your house to have a similar effect on those who live there. That's why God said, David, I'm going to establish your house. He's not talking about a building. Hello, somebody. Amen. He wants your house to impact your family. And I'm not talking about the structure you live in having an effect upon your family either. In our text, David could understand God being interested in the house of God. That was, that's what David felt to do, wanted to do in his heart. And he knew that now, because of what God was telling him through the prophet Nathan, that Solomon would indeed build that house. And even God called it a house. David's son would complete what he had started. But he was absolutely astonished that God would care about his house and his family. And this is what he said as he sat before the Lord. And I love this because he, he went in and sat before the Lord. He didn't have to work to get there. He didn't have to, to struggle to get there like so many people. I'm going to fast and pray till I get in the prayer. David was accustomed to being in the presence of God so much and so often that he knew right where the door was. And he went in and he sat before the Lord. And this is what he told God. I, I just want to tell you, there comes a time when you need to know where the door is. Amen. You better be in the house of God, in the place of his presence often enough that when you do have a need, you don't have, oh, where'd I go? I go. You, David just went and sat in the presence of God. And then he said, who am I, O Lord God? I am humbled by that this morning. Is there anybody in this house at this week of Thanksgiving, you could just close your eyes and lift your hands and say, who am I? And what is my house that you have brought me this for? Again, I want to ask you, has God brought anybody from a long ways? And I close with this. He's interested in your house because he wants your house to be a house where the word of God is taught and learned. Just like this house is a house where the word of God is taught, your house needs to be a place where the word of God is taught. If you were to ask me as a pastor after all these many years, what I feel the number one failing of Christians today is, it's not that we don't pray. It isn't that we don't read our Bible. It isn't that we don't vote for godly values. It isn't any of these things. 
isn't that we don't go to church. I want to tell you what the number one failing of Christian people today is. They do not have family devotions every day in their home. And this is what God said in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them. Say when? When, say it, when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. God is interested also in your house for another reason. And I'm done. He wants your house to be a place where the family encounters God. Abraham encountered God while he was still in his own home. Genesis 18 and 1. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of memory as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. What? He was sitting in his tent and God showed up at his house. Some of the most blessed encounters that I have had with God have not been in this church. It has been in my personal devotional time. And because I meet him there, I come and I meet him here. From the moment I walk in, I can feel his presence. You know why? Because I maintained his presence the other six days of the week. Amen. Number three, God wants your house to be a place of principles, just like the house of God is a house where the word is taught, a place where God is encountered and a place where principles of life are communicated. God wants your house to be a place where principles of life are also shared. Proverbs 4, hear my children the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law when I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother. He also taught me and said, let your heart retain my words. This is Solomon referring to what his father David taught him at home. He said, let your heart retain my words and keep my commands and live and get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. I want to close by asking that we pray for families today because families matter. Family matters. Your family matters. My family matters. Give God some praise. Some of you are clapping right now. Give God some praise. Families matter. Would you stand with me across the building? I'm going to ask our counselors, prayer counselors, to please come take their places. And then if you're visiting with us this morning, our protocols are a little bit different here. We do things a little differently. You know, there's no real... Uh, outline for having a particular kind of church service in the Bible so we could preach first and worship later if we wanted to we do things a little differently here at the end of the service what we do is we ask everybody to come forward including our friends and guests because I like to close the service by speaking a word of blessing over you that will follow you all of this week and that will change your life And you don't know how many people have told me this has impacted their lives. Pastor, because you prayed that blessing last week, I encountered this situation and this is what God did. You see, I have an anointing of a father. I'm a spiritual father. And just like you, Dad, should speak a blessing over your children when they walk out your door. 
I want to speak a blessing over the children of this house and the family that worships here. Would you come and gather with me right now? And I want us to pray. Come, even if you're visiting with us, don't forget at the end of the service, right through this way that I'm pointing, if you were to go out the doors of this auditorium that you entered the auditorium in, take a hard left, go all the way down to the other end of the building if you were to do that. And down this hallway, there will be people there to direct you. You will find an area that is designated and it says conference room. And I want to meet you there in just a few minutes to shake your hand, get to know who you are. And I love the testimonies that we hear when we meet together. I tell you what, the staff and I, move in close here, a lot of folk behind you. And I tell you, the staff and I always remark, we walk out of those meetings shaking our heads and say, my God, we got so blessed by the words that that different ones of our friends and guests have shared with us and what the service of the church has meant to them. I think I get more out of it than you guys do. (laughs) I call you back there just to meet you, get to know you, but then I walk away and I feel like I'm walking on clouds. So I'm going to meet you there. Always run out the lobby and shake a few hands and then scoot right over there. So I'll give you time to gather. But while every head is bowed right now, I want to see the hands of those that one more time this week of Thanksgiving, you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I thank God for the influence of this house and what it has done in my life, what it is doing. You see, the anointing on this house is the anointing that will be on your family. Do you hear what I'm saying? The anointing of this house will be the anointing on your family. And that's why I spent the time to talk about the fact we have moved to a new generation, a new era. We've moved to a new time. It isn't a season. Seasons come and go. Four of them in a year. But we've moved into a new era. And it will last for generations to come. And because you're connected with this house, that is coming upon your life too. Yes, it is. But that's not only the only truth that I want to share with you. The other truth is, is that just like the anointing of this house comes upon your life, guess what? The anointing that you carry will come upon your children. Most of you know that Pastor Donnie's been taking a few days to be away. Man, ministry's tough. I won't tell you full-time ministry. You don't only carry your load, your strain, and your stresses. You carry those of everybody else in the congregation too. Pastor Donnie's been with us 29 years. Four years before that, starting his own church down in, in Corpus Christi. And he's needed some time away just to seek the Lord. And we talked yesterday and he was talking to me about the blessing that has come upon each one of his kids. You see, you see, when you make a decision to serve God, you know what you do? You open the door for future generations of your descendants to be blessed. Somebody in this house doesn't even know it. You think it's all about you right now. But it's not even about you. God said you're raising a Solomon and don't even know it. You got some kids coming up. You got some grandkids that are going to walk in the favor of Almighty God. They're going to carry your anointing, but at a greater level. This is why it's so important that you have the breakthrough you need. 
with our hands raised. Father, I pray right now for blessing upon every person here. I pray for an importation of this house to be given to all of its members, the family who worships here. I pray, Lord, that those that have drifted away will make a commitment to renew their lives to God if they're here today. Those who do not have a devotional time every day will take the time to develop it so that, like David, they can come here and just walk in and sit down and be in the presence of God. I pray that you will give us hearts of gratitude and thankfulness. Oh, Lord, you've been so good to me. You've seen me through so many difficult challenges and places. You've walked with me through circumstances and I did not know if I could survive. But by your grace, I'm still here. Right now, your presence is walking with me. And you've done this for so long that I've learned to not even be flustered with other challenges. Because you brought me through every one of them, Lord. Every one of them. And I'm still here, still loving you. Still serving you, still blessing you, still strong. I believe strong for years to come.